Broadcasting from the heart of commie-controlled America, the no-bullshit bearer of doom and gloom, opium-free broadcast, the most important hour of your day. Good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. My name is Josh. That is The Roxy. This is the Red Pill Project's Daily Dose. We're live with you Monday through Thursday, 8.30 p.m., typically Eastern Standard Time. But tonight we're here just a half an hour later. Sorry, I'm still in the midst of my move and getting everything done. And uh, we are we are actually done with the move, completed. Now it's time to get the studio together, get everything organized. And I'm telling you, you know what, Roxy? I'm feeling Midwestern. I like that's why I'm like playing it. Like John Mellencamp and uh, you know just uh, welcome. <laughs> it, it, it's inter- it's interesting to be back to Middle America, it, and I, I want everybody to kind of uh, tonight's episode for those who are just joining in. Red Pill Project's Daily Dose. Uh, we talk about the unfolding global conspiracy, talking about how this world is transitioning right now. And this transition is what I call a firestorm event. We can call it a jackpot. We can call it a polycrisis. We can call it whatever we want. But there's a transition happening. There's some people behind the scenes that are orchestrating world events to move it in one direction. And this direction is a cameo-fascist, uh, technocratic, totalitarian, oligarchical-controlled new world order. Anyways... What I want people here, because the majority of our audience is in the United States of America, is I want you to start going back to when you first heard that song. I remember when I hear that song, I think of spring. I think of uh, Little League Baseball, getting ready to go to Little League Baseball. Getting, to, uh, you know, my, my dad dropping me off at the, uh, um, the ballpark and getting out there with my mitt and just... You know, going out with friends and hanging out and riding bikes around and going crick walking and going out in the middle of the woods, building forts and just everything you can think of. We grew up in in, in different times, right? Different times. Sure did. Yeah. And when I look at now, I thought this was lost, but now I'm back in middle America. And now I'm back in a town the size of my hometown growing up, about 2,000 people. And it's just interesting to see that things never changed. I just moved. And I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about that tonight. But I also want to talk about what's really happening behind the scenes economically. And I want to get into all the news. But first, the first thing that we have to do 
is someone's turning 29 tonight. <laughs> it, it, so you guys are like, where's Vince? Vince, uh, Vince obviously got a, a lot better looking and now has glasses and blonde hair. But Vince is out <laughs> sick. And uh, Roxy, Roxy's like, hey, you need a co-host tonight? I'm like, sure, Roxy, let's do it. But it just also happens to be Roxy's birthday. It is my birthday. So for everybody out there, it's Roxy's birthday. Let's go ahead and wish her a big old happy birthday, Roxy. Um, I'm not going to play any Bill Clinton singing happy birthday or anything like that or playing it on the saxophone, but... Uh, and I got two dogs down here, so this is uh, my life right now. And uh, but happy birthday, Roxy! I just want to you. wish you that you're you're 29, correct? Yeah, the 29, very flattering. I'm glad I didn't say uh, where I was when that song and what it well, brings back memories to me. Tell high us. school, I was in high school, and driving around with my friends, driving along Lake Michigan. We used to go cruising in our cars, just hanging out in the summer, just having a good time. Um, the 80s was a great time. To, you're a little younger than me. The 80s was a great time to be in high school. All the music, the fashion, the styles. I mean, when people say the 80s is the best generation, mm-hmm. I don't think of it being born in the 80s. I think of being a teenager in the 80s. Because right. that was just a blast. It was it was amazing. It was just a fun, fun time to be around. When, and when I was in middle school... We used to walk everywhere. We'd yeah. walk to the movies. I mean, I lived in a, the biggest village in the state of Wisconsin, but we uh, we walked everywhere. We'd go to the movies. We'd go to McDonald's. We'd walk through the whole town. You'd see gangs of kids walking everywhere. You don't see that anymore, which makes me sad. Everybody drives their kids everywhere. I wish some of that would come back, you know, but it, overall, you're right. Middle America is still, for the most part, middle America. Right. You know, it is. And, and I think it's, um, you know, sometimes it's important to go back to your roots. Um, I'm not in any way, shape or form moving back to my hometown, but I'm in a town that reminds me of it and yeah. driving around this town today and, and um, you know, getting everything all set up with a new house and everything like that. It, it's just a breath of fresh air. Like my, my good friend who helped me move was over the other day and we're in like the studio is in the basement and I got to kind of build it all out. But there's a small little lake, I guess, a, a pond, but it's probably, it's a pretty deep pond. Mm-hmm. So it's um, filled with fish and stuff like that right behind us. And he's like, whoa, dude, that's awesome. And like people got boat docks out there and I'm like, this yep. it's pretty cool. And it, it just reminds me of when I was younger. It reminds me of a time when America was different. And it's interesting to think about that, America being different. And, you know, I've been kind of... I've been listening to some podcasts lately and I had a lot of time moving and stuff like that. So I throw the earbuds in and start listening to different things. And my dogs are making a noise. They don't know how to be quiet. <laughs> oh God, I should have took them upstairs. Um, Couldn't hear. Can't hear. Oh, that's good. That's good. But um, one of the things I was, I was hearing and I think it was Glenn Beck who was talking about it. And I like in, in, I don't agree with everything Glenn Beck says, but I like his perspective on things because he is American. Um, even though he doesn't fall for much of the conspiracy theory, he is American through and through. Whether people want to say he's sold out or whatever, I, I don't care to discuss right. that. But he was saying that, you know, or he was talking today about America Express. And it's a point I want to get into about 
how we can look at this country financially and economically and see what's really happening. Uh, another person I was listening to is I was listening to Lex Friedman's podcast. And he had uh, Ray Dalio on. And the people who don't know who Ray Dalio is, Ray Dalio is a hedge fund manager, one of the wealthiest people in the world. I think he's like the 14th wealthiest person in the world. He's definitely 100% a globalist. He is on the, the big table that they all meet at. This is one of those guys. And his book is, I think he called it The World Order, The New World Order. Uh, but he was given a podcast on this in the sense of how the world transitions during certain points. And this transition typically happens financially, economically, and then leads directly in the war. And he said that right now we are in that transition. And if you go back to World War II, you can see this actually happen. You have a Great Depression, you have World War II, and the United States comes out the victor. And the victor of that world war is always going to exceed financially and economically. And the United States came out. And they were the big dog in town and everybody started taking in greenbacks and dollars and they had a very, very strong currency that was gold back. We had the Bretton Woods Agreement and the United States became basically the, the center of trade around the world because everybody else was rebuilding. And this grew our economy massively. Oh, these dogs are killing me. This grew our economy massively. So what ends up happening then is we go into the acceptance of the petrodollar, that the dollar begins being accepted by uh, OPEC as this uh, intermediary of exchange. So anybody who wants to go out there and buy oil from OPEC, which is 85% of all oil production on the planet during this time, they have to buy dollars before they buy their oil. And this is what made America great. This is what funded everything. Well, and Ray Dalio says this specifically. He goes, look what just happened recently. Saudi Arabia is no longer caring about how oil is exchanged. And Glenn Beck said the same thing is look at, look at Saudi Arabia. We've been talking about this. That Saudi Arabia came out and said, yeah, we're going to accept the Chinese Wong and we're going to do it on the Beijing Stock Exchange or the Shanghai Stock Exchange. We're going to, you know, OPEC's like, we'll receive it in ruples. We'll receive it in gold. We don't care which means that the petrodollar status has now been removed. And what this does is this formulates this beginning of this decline economically, globally. And so think about pre-World War II, the situation that the whole world got in through centralized banks, where everything begins to decline into a depression. Um, if we look at the supply chain back in those days, there was nothing wrong with the soil. There was nothing wrong with the people wanting the work. Everything was manufactured supply chain crisis that put the world, this country, into a Great Depression. And then they ushered in World War II. And then the victor country of that basically established the, the political spectrum around the world that ruled for at least a good 50 to 60 years. Well, this is exactly what is happening right now. And, and people need to wake up to see exactly what is going, in, going on. That right now, the United States is being systematically destroyed. The foundation is being chipped away. And there's just certain things happening. We, we can see the supply chain. We've talked about the supply chain. The over 150 plus food processing, manufacturing, distribution facilities, the egg facilities catching on fire, uh, the energy uh, production facilities, oil refineries, all these things blowing up. Um, we have multiple different points 
for after COVID of supply chain disruptions that we know are manufactured. There, it's not because there's a lack of supply. Is that there always seems to be something that comes up either politically or economically or um, socially that interrupts that flow of that critical component. Another point here is the United States is dependent upon foreign fertilizers. Who's the number one fertilizer exporter in the world? Russia. Russia. Yep. I, I mean, when we get into this and we look at the United States, the only reason gas prices have came down over the last year with Joe Biden is because he released a strategic petroleum reserve. This is a national security asset. That Donald Trump built, built back up. Right, that Donald Trump built back up. What crashed, guys? Did the show crash? Uh, some said it was buffering on uh, DLive. That's because we're talking about the petrodollar. It must be. It's because we're talking about the petrodollar. Well, you know, too, when you're talking about the petrodollar, that was all negotiated and facilitated by Kissinger. And something that people forget is that Kissinger and Nixon were like peas in a pod. Mm -hmm. And who opened all the trade back up with China? Biden? Is Nixon. Because he really right. So you had Kissinger doing the petrodollar. You had Nixon opening up all the trade with China. It completely changed the global economy. Completely. Yep. And, and well, you know, Nixon also, I mean, that was the end of Bretton Woods Agreement. That was a massive thorn in the back of the United States of America because that began the process of fiat inflation. And, yep. and I think that this is when that decision was made to, to remove the United States from this global structure of power, from this global hierarchy. And this is when this real decline began because this is when the inflation really started to skyrocket in and around that time. And so if we look economically of how this has all been enacted over the years, I mean, it, it doesn't matter if it's a liberal president or a conservative president. Um, you know, Trump attributed, I think, the $7.8 trillion of, of U.S. debt, although he did have an international crisis, obviously the pandemic, but... Um, and I mean, he had to play politics. He he's in Washington D.C. He has to play politics with everybody. So, um, but in the sense of policy, when we start looking at Barack Obama, how he came in, how he started bringing in China into our supply chain, into our infrastructure, how trade negotiation, education uh, exchange, these types of things, um, how we alienated Russia after two thousand fourteen. Um, we were codependent on Russia. It, it, imagine what would happen if Russia and the United States had actually conjoined forces. You know, I, I watched uh, something the other day on um, on Russia and the United States and how actually similar the two countries are. They're not actually very dissimilar from each other. The the landscape is almost exactly the same. The political environment is very very similar. We we you know a lot of what we've been told about Russia over the years, especially during the Cold War, was a lot of propaganda and lies to get us to hate Russians, to hate the Ruskies. And I even get this a lot today from a lot of older people. Oh, you're a fucking commie. Oh, you think the Russians are good people. And like, and like you're just brainwashed from the 1970s and 1980s with all the propaganda that was being perpetuated at you by the mainstream media. But, but this is the truth, is that 
ideally, besides language, we're relatively the, the, the same types of country. And they were like, well, oligarchy rules Russia. Who the fuck do you think rules the United States of America? Like, come on now. I mean, wake up here. But, but our companies aren't owned by the government, like the CCP and in Russia. But are they? They might be controlled, but they're not literally owned. Well, Russia what? doesn't own the countries. They have capitalism. But, I mean uh, the companies. Yeah, and the companies. That's yeah. correct. But China absolutely does. Is they take about 40, I think, 51% ownership, 49 to 51% ownership, yeah. something like that, of the majority of the companies, and the CCP becomes the largest shareholder. Um, Russia's changed over the years. Right. That was Soviet Russia yeah. during the right. time. Exactly. Um, that has definitely changed, and they're more of a capitalist economy. But what we're seeing coming out right now is it looks like the Russia is really kind of throwing some footballs in the air to the world people and saying, "Hey, look, we, yeah, we 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 might have been looked perceived as the bad guy for a very long time." And look, I'm not saying that Putin and them are not corrupt or you know murdering right. people to silence them or anything like that. It's it's a very very volatile political you- landscape. Is the U.S. government doing any of that? Exactly. We, we've been hearing about that as well. Um, but what they're doing is they're coming out and saying, hey, there's something going on in the world. People need to recognize and be aware of it. There is a transition right now occurring, and you were not in the talks or the negotiation, okay, that there's people out there developing bioweapons, countries developing bioweapons in foreign countries that are genetically targeted and being used against a population that politically these countries have toppled governments around the world and people need to wake up and and this is kind of what the big message that i'm getting from russia is that we don't want to fight a world war but we want to bring the attention to what's going on and this is why instead of attacking the united states or attacking you know the uk they go after ukraine because ukraine becomes this heart in the center for this globalist regime that is operating. It becomes basically, if you looked at it, and I said this before, it's their capital city. Right. Well, all, all I tell people is, if you want to look at Russia and the United States, why don't you compare if Canada had eight bio labs along the Canadian-American border? Right. And they were testing shit on, sorry, testing stuff. I know people don't like us swearing. Um, on Americans. If they were genetically mapping things and then kind of genetically testing, using us as lab rats, we wouldn't like it. And that's what Putin's talking about. So that that's where I, I agree with Putin. I wouldn't like it either. And I don't see a problem with him trying to defend his country when it comes to the bio labs. Right. And, And I also see that there's no place for Russia or Putin in the new world order. And right. if, if we look at how this new world order is going to unravel, it's like uh, um, Albert Barula of Pfizer said last night when we were watching that clip of him, uh, he talked about the pill that people will take. The, the pill that people will take is firstly, it's a technology. It's synthetic. It's a synthetic biology. It's a biological technology that emits a signal. Okay. But it will increase compliance. You know, then we see that the FDA or the CDC, or sorry, um, Pfizer, Pfizer and Moderna have put out uh, new codes for doctors to use 
to basically mark down on a patient's records of whether they're not vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And so this is this goes back to like a gun registry all over again. Is there I'm marking all the people? All the time. I'm asked that question all the time because mm-hmm. I have to see a lot of doctors because of my autoimmune. And I know there's a code for it, having worked in medical fields, in the medical field in IT. And absolutely, there's a code for everything. Yep. But, you know, here's the thing is those codes on insurance are typically utilized for billing, not for mm-hmm. identification of possible noncompliance. Well, that's but, what they tell you. Right. And, and that's the thing is people are learning that, you know, there, there's more that's been going on behind closed doors than people can ever imagine. Absolutely. And, and that this world is headed towards a major shitstorm right now. And I mean... Have you have you heard anything about this Joe Biden gun ban? Only very little. Okay, so basically what this is uh, targeting is um, typically modified pistols that have a... Uh, um, so just think about a pistol that has yep. a extended... Um, uh, oh, the grip? Yeah, the extended... Yeah. Well, it, has, it has the extended, extended grip, clip. but it also has... I can't even think of the word now. Um, the extended stock. So it's the just clip, a pistol. Yeah, it's a pistol. No, 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 no. It's a pistol oh, that you can okay. put into a modification kit, and now it's a rifle. Oh, okay. But so it's yep. just an extended stock yep. um, that they're going after these. And basically, the day of compliance started today. They have 120 days. And, in a, and so here's the problem. If people were, They have 120 days to file the base, begin the paperwork to file for a tax stamp which will kind of like not grandfather them in, but give them the legality to have one of these things. But they first have to be approved through background checks. Within 60 days, okay? Doesn't matter if you file your paperwork or not. Within Mm -hmm. 60 days, if you have one, you're a felon. And they'll come after you. So think what they're doing. Is they're saying, go out there and file this paperwork to get a stamp it's going to take about nine to 18 months to do that. Okay. Yeah. And then when you file that paperwork, immediately after a uh, pistol brace, thank you, JCMC, um, immediately after 60 days, you're a felon. I wonder how they're going to locate you. They have your address, they have all your information. Right. Yep. So this is why people are pushing back right now. NRA, everybody is filing lawsuits. And, I, and here's the problem is this didn't pass in, in a law by Congress. Congress no. didn't come out and say, hey, look, we, right. uh, we need to get rid of these pistol braces. Let's make a law. No, no, no. This was a policy change that came from the White House directly to the ATF. And they just illegalized something. Um, they can't do that. But secondly, the next thing that they're going to target is semi-automatic rifles. They're he can't pay off student loans either. He can't do this. He can't. Do, I mean, how many things, how many times are we going to see things they're not supposed to do with executive order, but yet they're doing them? Mm-hmm. Well, the president does not have the authority, the right or the capability to pass law by himself. He has to go through the legislative branch. Right. And so, and that's one great argument right there. People are probably like, oh, it's a violation of the Second Amendment. Yeah, yeah, it is. But. Also, it's a violation of Article 2 of the United States Constitution, which outlines executive power, and that the president doesn't have the rights or the authority to dictate to the ATF of a new law. Anything that basically makes you a felon is a law. So 
this is going to be really interesting to see where this goes. And I was just talking about this the other day in the sense of the Civil War in the United States of America and how it starts. I think it's going to start here with Second Amendment. I think the Second Amendment is going to be the major catalyst when it begins to be attacked over the next year and a half that pushes this country towards civil war. I, I, I can totally see it. Your graphic the other night showing how many guns we own in America compared to the, the rest of the world. It had, I was like, I had never even seen that. That was impressive. Yep. And, and that, that, that is, Americans are not going to give up their guns. No, and we now, know why we have them. We know what we would use them for. We're not giving them up. People now, who have guns know. It just is what it is. Yeah, now go to Il the Illinois gun ban. So an appellate court is actually, so this is actually 57 minutes ago. An Illinois appellate court has uh, allowed for a temporary hold on the state gun ban to stay in place for the plaintiffs in the lawsuit. So... Uh, they upheld the downstate judge's decision to temporarily block the Illinois' recently enacted ban on high-powered weapons and high-capacity magazines from being enforced on more than 850 people. Um, but this ban, I mean, this is just how they do it. They, they chip away at the foundation. They come after one thing. And so in Colorado, right, I was in Colorado 2010, and Magpul, which makes uh, magazines for uh, rifles, for AR-15s and these types. Um, Magpul was headquartered out of Colorado. Well, Colorado in 2012 passed a bill outlawing 30-round magazines and limited them, them to 12 rounds or 15 rounds. No, 10 rounds, sorry, 10-round magazines. Well, Magpul got up and left. They went to Texas. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, and they're like, why are you leaving? I wonder why, but, but here's the thing is I obviously grandfathered in, so in Colorado, they become stricter and stricter and stricter on gun laws. Now I'm in Minnesota. Now this is interesting. If I want to go buy a rifle or a shotgun, I can go down to any Dick and Jane store. Right. I, I walk in, go, that one looks nice. They give it to me. I do my background check 15, 20 minutes later. I walk out with my rifle. I walk out with my shotgun. If I want to buy a pistol, I need to go down to the sheriff's office. I need to file an application. I have to get a license to carry and own a pistol in the purchase of pistol. Now I can go to the gun store and purchase a pistol with my new license, of which that pistol becomes immediately registered. So you need a license other than a concealed carry license? concealed carry permit it's the same license in minnesota so okay. if you want to purchase if you want to carry so i can't open carry i can't conceal carry and i can't purchase a pistol unless you have that conceal that that pistol permit really in minnesota right i don't think you need that here in wisconsin because we have open carry and concealed carry well op so here's the thing is if there's no laws on open carry if there's nothing saying that you can't open carry you can yeah. now here's the thing is there's no laws in minnesota stating that i can't open carry a rifle <laughs> but, but think of how fucking absurd this right. is, right? Yes. Yep. Now, if I want to, if I want to transit, so there's there's something about trans uh, driving in your vehicle with a rifle or a pistol or something like that. Yeah. That states cannot infringe upon. So your your vehicle is your personal property. So it's the same as your home, and it's treated like that by the Supreme Court, and they ruled on this multiple times. 
But each state will say that if you're driving through our state with your, your weapons, then you have to have this and this and this and this and this. <clears throat> and it never holds up in the Supreme Court. But in Minnesota, if I'm going to drive through the state of Minnesota with my rifles, mm-hmm. they have to be in a case and locked or have pistol locks on them separated by four feet with the ammunition. Yeah, there's some law like that when you hunt in Wisconsin, too. Yeah. Like you can't. Yeah. It's absolutely absurd. And I grew up in a town. Right, where in the school parking lot was Jim Bob's freaking you know twelve gauge shotgun yep. with with eight rounds of double odd buck in it hanging from the back uh, the back glass of his sixty seven Ford. I think it's like that down in Texas too. I think they got gun racks in the back of their trucks yeah. and loaded and everything. But but this is the absurdity: is there's an attack on America's rights and freedoms. There's an attack on every domain of our lives. And I think that it's time for us as Americans to really get back to, to find out what it really means to be American. Well, in Illinois, when I took my concealed carry class here in Wisconsin, the one thing they said was, you know, they have all the, I don't know if people know this, but when you take a concealed carry class, they tell you there's only certain states that your concealed carry license will cover. Like Wisconsin covers Wisconsin. I could get fingerprinted and I would get Utah and I think like right, 15 you get re- retroprocity. Right. But Illinois and New York, I think, were like the two hardest ones to get. So being next to Illinois, they told us, if you ever take your your handgun out of state, you know, like, because you're going somewhere and you have your gun with you, don't get out of your car in Illinois. Go to the bathroom before you hit the border and drive through. Don't get out of your car because there's nothing you can do when you're in your car. So you're exactly right. But they said, absolutely, do not take a chance of getting out of your car if you have a concealed carry. In your car in Illinois, because they will nail you. So in Colorado, this is interesting. Boulder and Denver. So Colorado has open carry. There's no law against carrying a firearm pistol in public. If you go to the city of Denver carrying a pistol, you will have about 20 police officers, guns drawn on top of you. And you will be arrested. Even though it's 100% completely legal. People have challenged this. Went to the Supreme Court of the state. You want to know what the state Supreme Court said? They can't do that. Dropped all charges. They still do it. They don't care. And and this is, you know, this comes about for the tyrannical nature of how laws operate. Of, you know, in nothing against police officers, but police officers having to meet various different quotas, getting promotions based upon arrests and performance. Um, this is the problem. It's a business. And of you know, it, it's a scary time right now in America, but it's also an exciting time because we have the ability to mold this country towards the direction of which we want to see it go. Now, one of the other things that Glenn Beck was talking about was America Express. And he goes, this is why you don't want to walk, look at the numbers, the analytics that are coming out from credit card companies. Now, American Express is typically a higher level credit card. This is people who have established credit that are typically 40 to 50% higher than uh, in FICO scores than everybody else. And then you can get the American Express green card and they have different tiers. So the people who have the American Express card, right, are typically people who are fa- financially ve- doing very well and have really good FICO and credit scores. A few years ago, the default rate for the American Express card was about 1.2%. 
This last year, it was 4.8%. They lost over $1.8 billion due to defaults in the last year. This isn't, this isn't, you know, Aunt May working over at the grocery store who, you know, got a Capital One card, okay? This is people who have have established credit, good jobs, good money, all this type of stuff, savings that are defaulting on their credit cards. Not only that, is I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna share some personal stuff here too. The people who have been buying houses in the last twelve months, they're gonna start defaulting the majority of them. And the reason that is is because when you start calculating the interest rate that's going on right now for mortgages. And in comparison to how much you're paying for the home, like you go out and buy, let's say, a $400,000 home. If you bought that home in 2015, <clears throat> your mortgage is going to be about $1,600, okay? <clears throat> That's at about 3.2% interest. Yep. Now, if you add in mortgage insurance, you add in homeowner's insurance and your taxes, that can be anywhere from $1,800 to $2,500 a month. It's still, that's a normal family can afford that. Yep. An average family in America can afford that. Um, let's say that you buy that house right now at about 75 to 6.5% interest. Here it comes. You ready for this? I know. S- same house. Same house. Yep. $2,500 max mortgage. Your mortgage is going to be about $3,200 a month. Double that $1,600. Yep. Okay? With yep. all the taxes and everything like that, you're looking at about forty-two to $4,300 a month to pay for that house. That's typically the monthly income of most families who are trying to get into that house. Yep. And I'm telling you right now, as this market begins to decline and continue to decline, as more and more layoffs come, as the transition towards new implemented technologies begin to get occur, incur, you're going to see this housing rate drop off massively. And this goes back to the World Economic Forum when he says that you're going to own nothing and you're going to like it, is this is how they do it. Is is they don't need to go up there and buy all the land and buy all the property. All they have to do is control the market. Once the rates begin to skyrocket and go off the charts, people can no longer afford houses. Houses become luxury items. But what you're going to see is you're going to see a massive default probably in 2024 in the housing market. So I would predict that the whole economic collapse will come towards the end of 2023, the beginning of 2024. And the reason I say that is because of the housing market default, which we're already seeing a massive amount of defaults from the COVID pandemic of Mm -hmm. the people who took out the forbearance loans. We yep. are still seeing that. That's still up to the 215 to 230% above the pre-COVID levels. Um, so when, you know, when Glenn Beck's talking about these American Express numbers, this is a warning sign. This is one of the chips off the foundation. This isn't good. No, and my son just bought a house in right before the interest rates mm-hmm. took off. And... Uh, I broke that down for him. I says, you wouldn't even be able to get in a house if you wouldn't have got your house when you did. And and we were breaking down the numbers. That's why I knew exactly where you were going. It's crazy. Yep. And these, oh, I don't know about anybody else, but around here, they are building gigantic houses everywhere. Everywhere. There are these huge houses being built. You don't see average. 
All right, I think we're back on now. Um, stay the fuck away from Windows 11. Dude, I didn't even update this. Like, I'm, I'm sitting there one day, and a, a prompt came up, and it was like, um, um, update your computer now. It was like one of those uh, critical update is available. Yep. And I said, okay, yeah, I'll just update my computer because the show was over. I hit the critical update, and it updated the Windows 11. I go, I didn't fucking want Windows 11. That's because when you update, you're the test subject. Yeah. So uh, Never ever, do it. ever since the, the update to Windows 11, this is exactly what has happened. But let's jump into the news. And so we were talking about that. We're talking about the financial economic stuff. The Fed meeting preview, Powell won't break the S&P 500 rally. Wage growth eases. If markets are right, tomorrow's Fed meeting policy will state. Statement will announce the next to last rate hike for the cycle with a quarter point move that's expected to be matched by March 2022. However, Jerome Powell probably has other ideas. That's why the S&P 500 backed off from the six week high on Monday. But markets firmed up Tuesday after the employment cost index showed softer wage growth in Q4. Powell may make the case to why interest rates may need to go a bit higher and stay there for longer than investors are betting. Even so, Wall Street doubled down on its belief that the rate hikes are about to end. In fact, the odds for a quarter-point hike in March fell from 98% to 82.5% today. While markets could turn out to be right, the Fed's Fed meeting, they spelled meeting wrong. I like seeing like good, good channels like that spelling stuff wrong, is all about the Fed keeping options open. Powell has zero interest in providing fodder for the S&P 500 to move higher and the Treasury yields to move lower. Well, we're we're going to see lots of various different types of economic news coming out. Uh, but one thing they said is that wages have definitely dropped. Well, what else do we have here? Why have so many people dropped out of the labor market? In a nutshell, a lot of people have simply dropped out of the labor market. They're not working, but why? In December, um, this is from Michael McHarry. This is from Shift Gold. Uh, he wrote about the fact that job reports put out by the Bureau of Labor Statistics are hinky. Well, the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics reported that the economy added 2.69 million jobs between March and November 2022. There are only 12,000 more employed people in November than there were in March. In other words, most of the increase in jobs is the result of people taking on a second or third job in order to make ends meet as prices continue to climb through the roof. Uh, the Prudential Poll survey bears this out. It showed that 70% of all workers had pursued or considered pursuing gig work to supplement their income over the past year. Meanwhile, the labor force participation rate is a paltry 62.3%. That means there are a lot of employable people who aren't working or even looking for a job. Keep in mind, unemployed people searching for work are included in the labor force participation rate. And it's not just older people who retired early. In 2019, the labor force participation rate for people ages 25 to 54 was 82.9. As of December 2022, it had fallen to 82.4. That's a half percent drop represents about 636,000 people who just never went back to work after the pandemic. So are you saying that that article is saying that unemployed people that are no longer on unemployment are being counted? Oh, yeah, they are being counted. They are counting them. They're, they're adding them into the into the statistic, yes. How? How are they adding them? Because usually when they do those numbers, they count it by the un people receiving unemployment benefits. True. But they're also seeing people who've applied for unemployment benefits who don't apply again. They're seeing people who went back to work, but they also know the job numbers and how many people are actually working. And so they can take all that into a special little... Uh, special little 
algorithm and come up with what uh, the real numbers are. Now, this is where it gets interesting. From Mishtalk, Mike Shedlock argues that the falling labor force participation rate is primarily a function of government de-incentivizing work. He lists eight reasons fewer people are engaged in the labor force. Rent moratoriums, expanded Medicare, increased food stamp allocations, some of the pandemic-free money shotgun blast still not spent, canceled or postponed student debt, abandoned plans for American dream of owning a home, fentanyl and opioid crisis, COVID deaths, long COVID effects, and lingering emotional scars from the COVID breakdown. Um, all of the above reasons reduce the marginal propensity to work, and it's very inflationary. In other words, incentive matters, and the incentive right now are to stay at home and watch Netflix. Wow. And, you know, so think about this is Joe Biden is we got one hell of an economy. Oh, it's economy's kicking butt right now. It's not. It is on life support and your government is freaking lying to you. And the Fed chairman's going to come out tomorrow and he's going to increase the rate hike 25 or 50 basis points. And the market's going to go, yay, inflation's coming down because it's not 0.75. And the market's going to boom and it's going to skyrocket up and people are going to be like, yeah, invest in 401ks and invest in IRAs and invest in mutual funds because mutual funds will pay you money. Did you know Fidelity? Um, Fidelity, Morningstar, all these, these, these companies made their money off of mutual funds. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Did you know that if you read the fine print of the 29 to 40 pages of the mutual funds that you're about to purchase through your financial advisor that they're not made for you they're made against you and that if you took that money okay and instead of putting it into that mutual fund listen to me if you took that money if you went in there and said what stocks are in that mutual fund and they said oh these are the stocks that are in the mutual fund you go okay great you make a list of them if you went and just invested in those stocks independently without the mutual fund Okay, let's say that you were doing $250 a month. Um, They're going to tell you with your mutual fund, with a $250 a month investment, with a little bit up front, right? After a long time with a 4% employer match, when you're 62, you'll have $1.8 million to retire. If you just did that independently, $250 a month, distributed yourself in just a regular money market account or whatever. Instead of 1.2 or 1.3 million dollars, you'd have about 6.8 million dollars. About six times the average. The reason is, is because you have maintenance fees that hit every quarterly cycle on them that range between one to three percent of what you're putting in every quarter. Yeah. Yeah. It's even worse for me now because I had when I left work and I'm because I'm on disability. I had to switch out of my 401 or 403B or whatever the hell it is to an IRA. And the company then automatically institutes those maintenance fees, Mm -hmm. which I've been trying to look at how I can get out and do it differently because of exactly that reason. Yep. Now, you know, what's also interesting is how a lot of these woke firms are laying off people. This is payments firm PayPal to lay off 7% of its workforce to cut costs. Why is a financial firm trying to cut costs and laying people off? Because not many people are using that transactionary service anymore. Well, probably because of their woke ideology, but also because of competition. You have Square, Cash App, Zelle, all these things. But primarily, 
because people aren't transferring money or accepting money through those types of means anymore. The reason is, is because people are saving money. Interest rates go up, you save, you don't spend. If you're not spending, PayPal loses money. That's really where this comes down to. And so, go ahead. Think about it, when the economy was doing really well, and let's say some of these people are making really good money, Mm -hmm. um, you're putting, let's say, 20%. If you're you're both working, one spouse puts 20% in, the other one puts 10% into their 401k or whatever, all of a sudden food prices are going up. Now, granted, that's all pre-tax, but your cost of living starts going up. You start taking that rate, that your your percentages, you take it down because your employer is only matching 4 or 5%. So that extra you're putting in isn't getting matched. So you're going, we need some extra money, mm-hmm. electric bills, food bills. Even if you're making good money, all those bills are going up. Because if you make good money, your house is bigger. You probably drive a bigger SUV, gas guzzler, whatever. All your bills are more. So regular people aren't investing as much and putting it into those investments places because they're reducing the percentage you're putting in that's just fact yeah when you don't have that money to give you gotta you know you gotta take it back and and start figuring out a way to pay your bills so you don't have a you know people just aren't investing like they were because they can't you're absolutely right there's no excess money to put into those places and not to mention if you're not working look at all the people are getting laid off fired they aren't all going back to a job that's gonna allow them to invest right away. Right. You're off for six months or a year. You've lost your, you know, your savings. The first thing you're gonna do is keep that money in your pocket, so you can start building up your savings again. You're not investing. You know, so you know, one of the things going on here. Right. And and it, let's say that you do have a little extra money, or let's say you have a work program, but you don't want to give it to the four hundred one k or whatever. Do you know there's actually a really good program out there through insurance companies? that gives you retirement income plus a death benefit and is like 200 to $300 a month. Really? Yeah. Never well, heard of that. There's, there's a, the, the universal life policies that are out there. There's like index universal life. There's a few, there's variable, VLX and so forth. Um, there's quite a few other ones out there. They're really good packages. But what they do is, I mean, you you basically get, like, let's say you do a $250,000 policy or a half a million dollar policy, right? Mm-hmm. So once you become vested, it's usually about eight to 10 years and you're vested in that policy, mm-hmm. um, you can take a loan out upon that money. So let's say you have a half a million dollar uh, policy. At 10 mm-hmm. years, you can go in there and you can take up the 10% loan on that. So you can take a $50,000 loan out on that. Now, here's the thing about the loan is that loan is not to a bank, an institution, anything like that. The interest that you pay in that loan, you're paying back to yourself. It's like a 401k loan, okay? Now, here's also the great thing, is at 62, when you retire, that $500,000 policy is like, let's say that you stop paying on it at 62, Mm -hmm. you now start drawing $5,000 a month in income from it. Okay. Okay. And that income will be derived for like the next 20, 25 years to end of life. Then all of a sudden you pass away at 89. You still get the life insurance. So you still get the half a million dollars in life insurance. The life insurance and the cash value are two different instruments 
for the insurance company. So when you're paying into it, you're getting guaranteed the half a million dollars in life insurance, but then you also have a cash value of the half a million dollars. So like a half a million dollar index or universal life policy is actually like a million dollars. And so you have the cash value and then you have that. And they make massive money off of it. And if you know how to use it, you can utilize these as stacked retirement. Interesting. That sounds better than just regular life insurance. Oh, oh yeah. Never do regular and the, life insurance. And it sounds like about the same price. Right. Never do regular life. If people are interested in finding someone who can do these types of things, I can introduce you to some people that can definitely help you on that. Um, I, I'm, I, I know all about the industry. I consulted for the industry for a while. Um, and I can introduce you to some great people that'll help out. Um, uh, and that might the, be a good guest to have on the show in the future. It's kind of mm-hmm. hard because they can't talk. Uh, licensed individuals can't talk That's uh, true. about yeah. that type of thing on these types of shows. Yeah. It becomes a problem. But so the question is then. Is America's food supply chain under attack as massive Connecticut chicken farm catches fire while Joe Biden's casual comment on increasing food shortages comes back to haunt the world? The Hillendale egg farm may have lost more than 100,000 chickens in the blaze. The egg shortages are wiping out due to the avian flu. Yeah, okay. We, We know this game. We know it's being played here. Roxy, I went to the grocery store the other day, small town America. And uh, yep. two bags of groceries. Yeah. Two plastic bags of groceries. Guess how much that was? 75 bucks. About 100 bucks. I just went $180, and I think I had four half-filled bags of, paper, you know, the paper bags. But they, M&Ms? You know, oh, well, the M&Ms <laughs> were a special purchase. <laughs> well, wait until, uh, wait until the insect food comes out at disc- discounted oh. rates. Yeah. Well, I just was hearing from, uh, I was watching Tucker before I got on and they were yeah. talking about uh, the FDA is now changing their ratio of how many bugs are allowed into food, mm-hmm. in the flour. Because it, it, I don't know if everybody knows this, but there's a certain ratio of bugs that are allowed in your flour and your spices, things like that. And crickets is one thing that is is allowed to be put into our food ground up and put in our food, but it has to be listed on the ingredients. But who looks at the ingredients for crickets? Right. Well, they had the the doctor, uh, I forget his name, but um, I think it was, I'm going to say the wrong name, so I'm not going to say it. But something I never knew was these bugs can cause an allergic reaction in people. If you're allergic to shellfish, do not eat something with bugs in it because this doctor was saying hmm. you can have allergic reactions. They're going to start seeing it as the FDA is changing these ratios more and more. And the doctors won't know why these people are having these reactions because it's not listed. It's just the ratio has changed to the bug particles that are allowed in the food. So Interesting. if you have a shellfish allergy, be careful. Well, that's good to know. I mean, yeah. Because there's a lot of people that have that allergy. A lot. Right. Well, and how, how is that going to sway for people who are immunosuppressed? Uh, that's a very good question as well. Me being an immunosuppressed person. Right. I have no idea how bugs, you know, interact with. We don't eat bugs. I don't eat bugs. I mean, maybe some of you guys do. It's more common in Asian culture, you know, Indonesia and 
stuff like that. But right. give me a cow. Thank you. All right. So FDA is pushing the endless COVID shots, an annual booster to inflame your heart and kill you early. Moderna announces mRNA vaccine to treat sudden surge in turbo cancers. Huh. Well, isn't that interesting? Uh. Big pharma giant Moderna has announced plans to launch an mRNA vaccine to treat the sudden surge in turbo cancers that have occurred during the COVID jab rollout. During the recent World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, Moderna CEO Stephen Stefan Bachel admitted that he would like to have an mRNA capacity on every continent. The mRNA technology rollout is so concerning, said Tracy Beans of Highwire. They'd never tested this on humans before March of 2020, and now they're pushing this lipid nanoparticle into the arms of every citizen on the planet. Um, this is interesting. So I was listening to, um, Ray Kurzweil today on Lex Friedman. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get the perspective of the globalist. This is why I'm listening to Ray Dalio. Yeah, listen to the other side. Yep. And he was talking about mRNA technology and he goes, this is the, the technology of the future. And you know, when, when the future gets here and it's happening faster and faster, um, mRNA technology is, you know, going to cure diseases and all these things. And I understand that. But, you know, I think that it's a little pompous and arrogant to believe that. The first run of this, we got it right. Right? Like, we are so proud of ourselves. Look at this. We got it right. And it's like, hold back all this, right? Um, And I think what they're doing, and I think that this is multifaceted here, is that I do believe in technology. I do believe that technology can enhance the quality of life for a lot of human beings, especially ones that are genetically, you know, screwed, right? They, they have bad genes or what, the 2% of the yep. population. Um, or that, you know, people who are, you know, want designer, you know, hey, if you want to pay for a designer baby, pay for a designer baby, great. Yeah, I, I wouldn't trust these people right now um, nope. to watch my child, let alone engineer my child. But correct. In the future, medical technology is going to skyrocket because of CRISPR-Cas9 type of style technology, mRNA type of technology. Um, But the one thing that we have to realize is that these things have fallbacks, that not all of these technologies that are going to be created are going to be good and healthy for you. And I think really what we're seeing right now is that they were just releasing it. Who knows? Maybe they were just releasing a vaccine, an mRNA vaccine, and it backfired on them. And that all these deaths are coming and they know that there will be a ban on this technology if that information gets out so they're covering it up. And this is a really good possibility because they have so much invested in this technology and they screwed it up and now people are dying in mass genocide. And, you know, you can't go out there and just admit that. So I don't know. It's just a, it's, it's just I'd a like thought. I'd like to think maybe that it was done that way and on accident and they didn't think that that was going to happen. But there were so many doctors that came out right away at the beginning that said, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. So how could they not know? Well, I, I think that um, they didn't care. I, uh, yeah, I would agree with you there. I think that they didn't care. Is that? And I think they thought they could keep it. Problem reaction, problem reaction solution, right? Is yep. that COVID-19 happened and they have a plan. The plan is to implement this control structure over the world. Um, my, my thought and theory is, is maybe depopulation wasn't a primary effect of what they were trying to do. 
But I think that the, cause I was just I mean, what I'm saying is I had a, I was listening to a conversation with Ray Kurzweil, who's a globalist. Mm-hmm. And this is just one of the thoughts that came to my mind while listening to him, because he was talking very highly of these technologies. Now, I think Ray Kurzweil is one of those people who's uh, a smart guy, an inventor in the right place at the right time. And now his thoughts and theories are he's a thought leader in the world. No, he, he was just at the right place at the right time. And the guy's fucking an idiot for all I care. But when we start to look at, you know, what else he was saying, you know, he's saying that we're, we're entering this state of technology to where there is an exponential increase in our technology every six months. So you remember like Moore's law yeah. with IBM of how the speed of processors increased every six months. Yep. That has now been expensiated. Like you, you can't even look at that anymore. You can't even calculate use, modern day technology. You can't even use the calculation of Moore's law because now it's based right. upon AI, artificial intelligence, neural networks and learning nanotechnology integration. And you're going to see mRNA technology be introduced into nanotechnology. And with nanotechnology, as it gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and it has an increased level of bandwidth, um, it's going to allow human beings to basically connect into this whole new network of their body to where cellular protocols that are occurring um, are monitored and can be changed in real time by medical professionals. Now that's scary as well as that's that's fantastic for people who actually need that to happen. Imagine a quadriplegic that goes, you know, has a car accident, becomes a quadriplegic, and now you can upload nanobots into the body. The body it goes in there and it identifies all the neural uh, the neurons the neurological wiring that is disconnected and the neuro, the, the nanobots reconnect everything and all of a sudden the perfect person's walking again that's that's a major scientific breakthrough we're probably about 10 years away from that type of technology but then also those same nanobots are sending signals back to these groups of people and they're saying hey look uh, uh, there is an article i saw today and i don't think i have it up uh, up here but um have you ever heard of the um what are they called there um it's the medication that slows your heart rate Okay. Right. Yeah. So it's a medication that slows your heart rate. I thought I saw it on Drudge Report. Um, let me see here. Uh, it's a medication that slows your heart rate. And what they want to do is there was a study done on this medication and that it mm-hmm. massively decreases violence within people. And see, they the want to stuff- start prescribing it to people who are have violent or aggressive tendencies. See, all of these technologies, I think it's wonderful. You know, again, you can cure paraplegic and all that stuff. But that person, the paraplegic also mm-hmm. now becomes a slave to whoever's controlling the computer. Right. Your, your, your body and your mind are no longer your own. I know a lot of people would say, I don't care. I want to walk again. As a person with MS, I care. And I... I don't think I would give up my free will. And that's easy for me to say because I'm still walking and I'm still mobile and I'm still, and it's scary as hell to potentially lose that. But I don't, I'm not giving my brain up to anybody. Right. I'm just not. Beta blockers. That's what they're called. 
Beta blockers, yes. Beta blockers were really developed back in the 1960s as a treatment for angina, a heart condition that drugs have since been repurposed for a number of different uses, from glaucoma to migraines. Perhaps the most interesting has been in the psychiatric conditions of anxiety and PTSD. And so what they're saying is beta blockers work by disrupting the activity of hormones like adrenaline and noradrenaline. The drugs are thought to be useful in treating a variety of behavioral problems, but until now, most research has only focused on small cohorts or anecdotal ones. Uh, propanolol, propanolol, a commonly prescribed beta blocker, blocker has been informed. Yeah, propanol. Like uh, it's been uh, informed, used by musicians and performers as a tool to manage stage fright. In sports, beta blockers have been banned, classified as performance enhancing due to their ability to reduce tremors. 2008, a double gold, uh, double gold Olympic medalist was stripped of his awards after shooting, after uh, for shooting after a positive drug test for beta blockers. Um, but one thing that they found in a recent study is that beta blockers tend to reduce violent and aggressive behavior. And they said in a psychiatric condition that this could be given to people who have, have these various tendencies to stop them committing or pre-commit these things. So now what I want people to think about is go back to the nanotechnology that you have that's going to be put into your body, that they want to put into your body. That nanobot can get a signal. Let's say we're going to a protest, Roxy. We're yeah. going to go to a protest, Roxy. And yep. you wake up in the morning, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, man, I just really don't feel like doing much today. I I think I'm just going to sit home and watch Netflix. And what that was was a signal coming to the nanobots in your body telling yep. them to engineer beta blockers and inject them into your body. And they completely just change your mood and behavior. Yep. That's, you know where, that's gonna, where this is headed. headed. You know how they're going to sell it to you, too? It's okay. just like... Um, when they used to give um, sex offenders the drugs to um, block the hormonal blockers and mm -hmm. things like that. They're going to tell you, we can give this to rapists, violent sex offenders, things like that, and we can control them. And they're going to show you how good it works, how great it is. And that's how they're going to sell it. Yep, exactly. Yep. Now... This was quite interesting. This is, um, I, I forget her name. She's an MSNBC reporter. Uh, Yasmin um, Vasgnosia. And mm -hmm. uh, she has been gone for a few weeks. Let's listen to what she has to say about why she's been gone. From my Twitter feed uh, that many of you have wondered why I have been off the air for a little while. Well, I have been dealing with a little bit of a health scare. On December 20th, I began to feel chest pains and they waxed and waned over a period of 10 days. I wasn't quite sure uh, what to make of it, but as they continued to get worse, I started to think something was actually wrong. Um, it was December 30th when I finally went to an urgent care and was told I had reflux. I didn't really buy it, but I was relieved it wasn't my heart. Uh, my body, though, was pretty certain uh, not to believe uh, the reflux. The next day, on December 30th, I woke up with severe pains, both in my chest and in my left shoulder, and it was like a tightening in my chest when I took deep breaths. That got worse when I was laying flat. I knew enough at that moment to understand that it could mean, could is the key word here, that I was having a heart attack, especially because it was happening in the left part of my shoulder. I want to remind you, I run seven miles three to four times a week, or I did. Um, I do yoga. I don't eat meat. I don't smoke. 
I drink occasionally. Not right now, though, because my doctor tells me I can't. Aside from probably not getting enough sleep and working too much, I'm a pretty healthy person. But on that day, I was anything but. My husband drove me to the emergency room, and from there, the nightmare that has been my January began. I was diagnosed with pericarditis, inflammation of the lining of my heart, brought on by a virus, a literal common cold. Wait, what the hell did she just say? A virus? The literal common cold? Hmm. What? How much did MSNBC and Moderna pay her to say that? Everybody knows damn well the virus was not a virus. It was a spike protein in a shot from a fucking vaccine that caused that to happen. Not the common cold. But now, look at the narrative shift. Oh, the common cold can cause pericarditis. That's some scary shit. That they can Long sway COVID that. can cause pericarditis too. Mm-hmm. Long COVID. All right. Whatever. I'm gonna Whatever. I'm gonna whip through the news. I gotta get my kids to bed. They got school in the morning. And sorry, we're running late tonight. So Biden's document scandal includes 1,850 boxes enough to fill a tractor track trailer plus 415 gigabytes of electronic records. The Senate Intelligence Committee is demanding Biden return turn these documents over, but they are refusing to do so. Who is the University of Delaware, and why are they allowed to refuse Congress? Hmm. I don't know. Let's let's look at this right here. Every member of the Senate Intelligence Committee wants to see these documents. They say enough is enough, but the DNI yes. said no. She just basically said no. And what we have here is a letter uh, to uh, Newt Gingrich, the former Speaker of the House, from the lawyers investigating this. And they are telling us that there's 1,850 boxes of the documents, enough to fill a tractor trailer, uh, and the 415 gigabytes of electronic records. But the University of Delaware will not release who paid, who funded the archival and the maintenance of these documents. Was it communist China? Every... Was it communist China? And I wonder the connections between the University of Delaware and China's... You, hold on. Do you remember this theory someone had that these education exchanges with China and the university had something to do with the stealing of state secrets? I do. Wow. I mean, fuck. Nobody else put that together. Here you go. Here's your sign. And guys, I'm sorry we had a transition fast. I mean, we're gonna, I'm gonna kind of go through. Um, but Joe Biden, he's in a world of shit right now, and I'm hoping that what we see come out in the next few months is really gonna bring the hammer to him. But the thing is, is what happens when stuff's about to drop on them? And this is why we have the threats of nuclear war all coming about. This is why we have Russian warships all over the place. Yep. Uh, former Russian President Medvedev. Uh, Medvedev threatens nuclear holocaust over Ukraine, says World War III won't be fought with tanks and aircraft. Uh, and that's his threatening, obviously, World War III. But this is about the, uh, the aircraft and the tanks being given to Ukraine. And this comes at the same time that Russia, the MFA Russia's official Twitter, and I, I kind of miswrote here. I said, I have reason to doubt. I meant I have no reason to doubt, by the way. 
But uh, Russia personnel acquired over 20,000 documents at U.S. biological programs. The materials confirms that the Pentagon aimed at creating elements of biological weapons and testing it on the population of Ukraine. Now, you got to remember, these are just the bio labs in Ukraine. This is not the 92 or 78 other bio labs around the world. That's right. Okay. And here are some of the, the companies. You have NGO, Labyrinth, uh, Labyrinth. You have University of Tennessee. You have Batelli. Um, you have multiple different corporations, companies that are aligned with the Defense Threat Reduction Agency that are involved in this. And uh, this is some blacklist shit, Roxy. It really is. I just hope we got a Raymond Reddington out there somewhere. I know, right? <laughs> He's the only guy that could help, actually. Well, By the way, new season comes back in February. Right. And and this is also the outbreak of the Rift Valley fever in the area of the Naval Medical Research Unit 3. And this is Russia hinting that the outbreak of the Rift Valley fever epidemic in 1977 north of Cairo, where 18,000 people got sick was not an accident. This is Russia insinuating this um, and and pulling it together. And people are asking, like, well, why did they only find 20,000 documents? What's going on? Um, and why didn't they destroy them? They actually did. And so what they're showing here um, is that they buried a lot of this stuff and they burned a lot of the evidence and that the uh, Russians actually recovered a lot of this from the bio labs once they got into them. And found a lot of the documents after they were already destroyed, but got most of them. Yep. All right. Um, we already went over that. U.S. corn farmers sound the alarm. Most catastrophic problem ever faced headed for crop. Farmers across the country are sounding the alarm on on a new law that could spell catastrophe for their businesses as well as the American economy. Uh, Mexico is set to enact a new law that would ban U.S. imports of genetically modified corn. And many are worried that this could be the most catastrophic thing to happen to corn farmers. Mexico is the largest buyer of American corn, purchasing more than $10 billion worth from, of corn from the United States. And most American farmers are now set up uh, are not set up to grow non-GMO corn. Remember all those years you're told, oh, you know, the, the GMO corn is just used for feed and, and other things. No, it's used for everything. And for ethanol. Ethanol, really corn syrup. Ethanol now, that there's corn, that there's food shortages in the shit starting. You're not hearing a whole lot about ethanol anymore. No, you're not. Not only that is, you know what they do with the corn is they feed it to the livestock. Genetically right. modified corn being fed to cattle in the meat chickens yeah chickens and so this is uh yeah i i think it's a uh, 92 percent of all corn in the united states is genetically modified thanks monsanto thanks monsanto pinkos yeah age uh, high fructose corn syrup is all gmo corn yeah, and so this is what we were just talking about. Zelensky sent out government decree to destroy all information on Hunter Biden's Metabiota company the same day of the Russian invasion, then fire spotted outside of the Intel headquarters. Do you remember that when when they st Russia started going in there and the fire was at the Intel headquarters and that was we we actually covered it? Is yep. apparently it was all this information on these bioweapon labs. Yep, and so remember when the Pentagon confirmed the U.S. partnered with 46 U Ukrainian bioweapon labs and Hunter Biden secured one uh, millions for one of the labs? 
we now have uh, two, a letter from Zelensky ordering the destruction of all government fi- files of Metabiata. And I believe that these came from the Russians. We're just conspiracy theorists. We said all this. Yep. Bastards. And there it is right there. And you got to, you know, this is, this is a shitstorm. And here's the thing is they're not going to let their house of cards just sink and fall. They're not going to take the blame for this. They will scorch the earth before that ever happens. And they'll blame it on a false flag and attack Russia after it. Uh, Biden has sent Ukraine another $2.2 billion in military aid, including long-range missiles, according to Reuters. Um, tanks, missiles, I'm telling you, this is going to be the end of us. Is this Ukraine conflict? This is going to be the beginning of the end. This is... Uh, This is the entrance into World War Three. That's what this is, and they're not going to stop until World War Three actually outbreaks. What do you What do you think about that, Roxy? I agree. They scorched Earth. If they can't have it, nobody will. They yep. don't care, and all the World War is going to do is again, if they can get out of it without completely losing everything, meaning nukes. Um, all it's going to do is enrich. The countries and the because the big military complex because who makes money during the war yep military complex that's right and they, don't, and they don't care and the only people making money right now the economy that joe biden said is doing good are the incredibly wealthy the super wealthy Rich get richer yep. bill gates secured hundreds of millions in profits from mrna stock sales before suddenly changing tune on vaccine technology I find it interesting Bill Gates is all of a sudden being questioned about Epstein again. Mm. Mm. Well, I mean, they got to take the uh, the heat off them for saying that mRNA technology doesn't work. Exactly. Yep. They're trying to change direction again. Yeah. He, he, the dossier has found that the Gates Foundation holding to BioNTech went from one over 1 million to 148,000 shares over the course of the third quarter of 2021, downsizing the Gates position in the mRNA vaccine manufacturer by 86% of its shares. Uh, and that was right before Bill Gates came out and started saying, hey, look, you know, these things aren't certain. They're not uh, necessarily going to work. And this is people profiting off this information, their position, and their stature. And then there you go, Exxon, ExxonMobil, Western Oil uh, Majors earnings record with $56 billion profit for 2022. And what happened is they're exploiting crises. That's what they're doing. They're exploiting crises and inflation to make money. This is war profiteering without them saying we're at war. But then also check this one out because I thought this was interesting. So you had Exxon record profits. McDonald's sales and profit top estimates as inflation persists. So McDonald's and Exxon both had massive profits. What does that tell you? Don't say more people are driving to McDonald's. No, it's not more people are driving to McDonald's. I just look at it as everything's manipulated. Right. Well, what it's telling me is that the cost of energy is skyrocketing and the cost of food is skyrocketing. So people need gas, but now can't afford quality food. Right. I was going to say McDonald's is the cheapest form of food. When you said, don't say people are going to McDonald's more. Yep. Um, if you have a choice of going to 
Wendy's or Culver's for a eight to ten dollar meal or McDonald's for a five dollar meal, you're going to go to McDonald's. Yep. Now, this is interesting, too, because um, I learned a valuable lesson over what happened in this real estate stuff that I've been going through the last uh, few months. For people that don't know, I moved from Colorado to Minnesota. Uh, We were going to rent a house initially. We decided to buy. We found a house and we went under contract to buy that house with the contingency that we sell our house in Colorado. Um, The house that we got into wasn't necessarily the house that we wanted. Definitely was not the house we wanted. Our objective was to renovate it and turn it into a rental property and buy a new house after the rates come down, um, after the market crashes and the rates come down because we were okay with you know doing a temporary thing. And uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, actually I'm going to say fortunately, fortunately for us, uh, we learned a lot about the house and we learned a lot about a lot of different things. And I'm going to tell you about some of these Um but we didn't sell our house in time, so the contract fell through. And that's okay, because my house is now going to close in, in about 10 days. <laughs> and nice. I'm, I'm good to go, and I'm in a rental house. So that's why I had to move again. So we're renting a house, going to buy when the market crashes. After that, I'll pick up some real estate, be happy. Uh, but my house is about to sell right now. So the house that we moved into in Minnesota had all electric heating. Oh, now I want people to think about this for a minute, okay? Because what is the transition that's occurring right now in the world? All electric. Get rid of gas. They're trying to get rid of natural gas. They're trying to get rid of gas in cars. They're trying to get gas. Uh, get rid of gas in your garage. And they want to get rid of gas stoves. If they want to get rid of gas stoves, guess what? They're going to get rid Furnaces of your gas furnace as well. Well, let me ask you this. Do you know the efficiency level between gas-forced air heating and electric heating? Gas is far more efficient. I know this because I am an HVAC family. Okay. Far more efficient. How far much more, more efficient and lot cheaper. The, well, lot exactly. Cheaper. Um, so for the month of December, okay. Now, a typical energy bill in the month of December in a Minnesota house, regular 3,000 square foot house, mm-hmm. is about 1,000 kilowatts. 1,000 to 1,500 kilowatts. That's 1.5 million volts of electricity used. Okay? Mm-hmm. The house that we were living in used 8,600 kilowatt hours. That's 8.6 million volts of electricity. Because you live in Minnesota and it's cold. So your heat was taking that, up the that, majority of yeah, your electric bill. That's eight houses that we basically supplied electricity for in the month of December. The problem is, is that the month of January, which was just as cold, was half the usage. So there is a problem with that. But I want people to understand that. This person who built this house, they had a custom built. They put that in there probably because they wanted to go green and wanted the state tax credits and all these types of things. Yep. And you're going to get $1,000 electric bills or you're going to freeze your fucking ass off. Because this is the problem. And how about this? It's like using a convection stove versus a gas stove. The convection Mm -hmm. stove does not heat the pan and distribute the heat evenly. Doesn't. It doesn't. But a gas stove absolutely does. And so this is why it sucks cooking on an electric stove versus 
awesome cooking on a gas stove. I know, because I have an electric stove, and I don't like yep. it as a cook. I hate it. But the thing is, as you notice, they're only coming after gas stoves right now. And nobody in the media is saying anything about, well, if a gas stove causes my kid to have asthma, I mean, the majority of people have gas furnaces. Right. Some people have oil. Some people have electric. Some people have radiant, which is boiler heat. But the majority of Americans have gas furnaces. Why hasn't anybody said, why don't all these kids have asthma? Because they're breathing from gas furnaces all the time. Because they don't want you to think about that yet. Because that's what they're coming for next. Yep. It's the first thing my husband and my father said as HVAC guys. Yep. So... There's also this other part here, because you said about, um, man, it was just on the tip of my tongue. Oh, you said boilers, boilers. Boilers, yep, boilers. So it also had heated floors, which use a boiler. Right. How does the hot water get heated? Electricity. (laughs) Electricity. (laughs) So all these rich people that have, they're building these big new houses that want the heated floors that have all the copper pipes running through with the radiant heat. That's all heated by electricity. Yep. Yep. Or the heated driveways, all that stuff. I just, I keep saying, where's all the electricity coming from? They gotta get, they wanna get rid of coal. Solar doesn't do it. Wind doesn't do it because you lose too much in the transfer. And they don't want nuclear. Where's all this electricity coming from? Well, exactly. And this is why it costs so much. So I, I just wanted to share that with people because this is what people are in store for as this world moves towards this electric economy. And unless we get those fusion reactors up fast, it's going to be a, a shitty day in hell with those electric bills. And this goes back to that point. You will own nothing and you will like it. Not only that is guess what? Now a 3,000 square foot house and a, a family of four becomes something that's not affordable because you can't afford $1,000 a month electric bills because of the heat. You can't afford the $4,000, $5,000 mortgages. Charge your car, your phones, your iPads, yep. your computers, your stove, your oven, your everything. Water. I'm I'm curious out there too to people who have uh, Teslas, and they have the home charging thing set up. How much more does your electric bill actually go up? I would be really curious with that too. I guarantee because, you, it's like two to three hundred dollars a month, easy. Well, and you got all these places that have these little Tesla stations. At first, they were free. Now you're starting to hear about people charging. Yep. To charge your car. So. Uh, yep, it's coming. Well, hey, guys, we're supposed to do an After Dark chat tonight. I'm postponing that till Thursday. And the reason is because I don't have a studio. I got a house that's absolute looks like a disaster upstairs. Stuff needs to get organized. Um, this is my first night to actually start on that, so I need to get working on that. But, uh, Roxy, you're going to go to the Zoom, right? 
Yeah, I'll go to Zoom. Yep. So Roxy will be in there. Please jump in the Zoom on the socialredpill.com. You can join up for free. Jump in there. Wish Roxy a happy birthday and happy birthday once again, Roxy. And thank you for thank joining you, me tonight. Hey, it was really fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And I'm going to do a chest drop. If I can get this open, I'll do a chest drop on D Live. Uh, we'll go ahead and add those in there. Oh, submit, distribute. Okay, there we go. So there we go. And, and my D-Live bombed out again. I don't know what's going on. Every time you drop a chest, my D-Live bombs out. Every single time. And it's weird. Pilled. Oh, crazy. Well, guys, I just dropped the, t the both of the, uh, um, the pilled and the D-Live. Thank you guys for all the donations tonight. Much love, respect. God bless you guys. We'll see you back again tomorrow on another episode of The Daily Dose. Take care. Good night. Good night. Either we will get the full cooperation of other governments to stop this menace, or we will expose every bribe, every kickback, every payoff, and every bit of corruption that is allowing the cartels to preserve their brutal reign. And it is indeed brutal. And uh, they call me eye patch McCain. <laughs> I, it's, I think it's, I, I haven't, look. Frankly, uh, if you look at the media, where the media is a closed media, we don't have an open free media anymore. They don't want to hear anything. They don't write about it. It's, a, it's collusive. It's, uh, nobody's ever seen anything like it. It all happened during this period of time. It happened just before the election. They wouldn't talk about certain subjects that you know better than anybody, Michael. And, uh, you know, that's the beginning of communism.